0: All right, let's see if I remember how to do this. Yes, the We Tackle Life podcast has returned. Wow, did we take a long sabbatical. But uh, the graduation party is now over, and it's time to get back to tackling life and tackling it here on the podcast. Thank you for your patience. Sorry for the interminable uh, interim period between the last podcast and this one. It's funny. I was listening to the last podcast wondering, what did I cover in that? I covered NIL. And guess what I'm going to cover in this one? Yes, NIL, but a lot more. Uh, Deshaun Watson, new baseball coach at Ohio State. Uh, Megan Rapinoe, talking about Title IX and high school sports and transgender kids and all that. And um, a faith element that I'm excited about. So, thank you for joining us. And if you'd like to be purposeful with your shopping dollars, vote with your wallet. You have that opportunity through PatriotSwitch.com. I am an advocate for the PatriotSwitch.com movement. What is the movement? The movement is to get people to think about what their money goes to after they spend it. When you buy products off the shelves at any store, Kroger, Walmart, Target, the money goes to the corporation that makes the product. The brand name may not be the corporation. For instance, Procter & Gamble makes a lot of cleaning products, let's say like Clorox, Dawn dishwashing detergent, Joy dishwashing detergent. They tweak their formula, they put it out under a different brand name. You get the idea. Pepsi is the conglomerate that owns Tostitos. Well, a lot of those companies at the home level like the Procter and Gamble's, the PepsiCo's, the Coca-Cola's, the Kraft, Nabisco, the Unilever They then take the money from you buying all of their products, and a portion of it is given to causes that you may support, you may not. If you are someone who does not support companies being top donors of BLM, Antifa, and the pro-abortion movement, that is why the Patriot Switch movement exists. I can put you in touch with a family-owned company that manufactures everything they make. What do they make? They make everything you already have in your medicine cabinet or your cleaning cabinet at home. Cleaners, soaps, lotions, vitamins, supplements, toothpaste, mouthwash, band-aids, coffee, on and on and on. 400-plus products. Buy it from a family-owned company that donates to pro-life causes, pro-police, pro-military, I would say pro-America causes. You go to PatriotSwitch.com, click on my name, Bruce Hooley, and the How Did You Hear About Us menu. I'll reach out to you. Uh, my man in Belmont County, my farmer in Belmont County, who said he found out about Patriot Switch on this podcast and said... Please, please be regular in your podcasts. I'm going off memory here. I think his name is Jonathan. Jonathan, I'm sorry it's been so long. Really glad you uh, responded to my call on Patriot Switch. Glad I got to talk to you, and you still have not called me when you're coming to Columbus to deliver your product to your customers in Central Ohio. So do that, and if you would like to talk to me about Patriot Switch, Go to PatriotSwiss.com, put in your email, put in your name, put in your phone number, and I'll call you. We'll talk, we'll chat, and I'll tell you more about it. The big news in Ohio State football circles is that the Buckeyes are cleaning up on the recruiting trail. Uh, I have said on this podcast numerous times that Brian Hartline is exceedingly underpaid as an assistant coach at Ohio State. And I have said on this podcast a number of times that when Ohio State coaches are interviewed by other schools, I do not understand why Brian Hartline is not interviewed by other schools. Now that Brian Hartline has gone full LeBron James on the recruiting trail and gotten not one, not two, but now three outstanding wide receivers in the last three days, I would imagine that if you are a school like, you know, a Big Ten school in the middle of the pack, a Mac school from Ohio in particular, Akron, Kent, right where Brian Hartline is from, Canton, and Glen Oak. The next time you have an opening, you would look to Brian Hartline because it's pretty obvious to me, as it has been obvious to me for a long, long time, that Brian Hartline has an amazing ability to engage with people. I knew this when Brian was a receiver at Ohio State. And I knew this when Brian left Ohio State a year early and everybody snarked him. Oh, he'll never make it. I knew he would make it. And he indeed did make it with the Miami Dolphins for most of his career with the Browns at the end. And then I had the opportunity when I started at the zone just before Chris Spielman's non-compete clause expired to have for two days when Ohio State was getting ready to play Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl the first time To have Brian Hartline as my co-host on the radio. And guess what? Brian Hartline was phenomenal. He was phenomenal. He was honest. He was raw. He was funny. He was bold. And unfortunately, Brian, like many ex-players, did not like having Ohio State fans at odds with him on his opinion about some things related to Ohio State's football, specifically Terrell Pryor. Terrell Pryor was a wide receiver with the Cleveland Browns at that time, and Brian was not a big fan of Terrell Pryor, and he said so, and he said, why? So Brian Hartline's two-day stint as a spectacular talk show host at 105.7 The Zone, the dearly departed 105.7 The Zone, ended with Brian Hartline running back to Ohio State football to practice against the Buckeyes in advance of their game against Clemson, and then to becoming the stand-in wide receiver coach when Zach Smith was dumped by Urban Meyer in the time of year when Zach and his uh, off-field matters led to Urban dropping him from the staff. And Brian Hartline has been a spectacular success as a wide receiver coach. And they have more than doubled his salary, and to me, they still have not (laughs) raised it high enough Because he is by far, by far the superstar on that staff when it comes to recruiting. I couldn't believe it when he got Jackson Smith and Jigba, Julian Fleming, Marvin Harrison Jr., on and on and on to come and play for him, thinking, where are all the snaps going to come from? Well, Brian Hartline manages to handle that conversation, and he's handled it again because he got Carnell Tate. You're You're coming to the wrong guy, if you expect me to know the recruiting profiles of these wide receivers. Uh, but I know that, you know, when you get a Carnell Tate, when you get a Brandon Innis, when you get a Noah Rogers, I get it. Everybody gets excited. And I think too, most guys who are highly rated at wide receiver aren't bus. Because receiver's one of those positions where if you have the size, the speed, the talent, and you can catch the football. You can probably do that in any offense, and they'll find a way to make him successful and in tandem with Ryan Day and the quarterbacks that Ohio State has not only on campus but has recruited. I'm sure the beat will go on at Ohio State. So congratulations to Carnell Tate, Brandon Innes, Noah Rogers. You have virtually assured yourself of driving a luxury automobile very early in your life that you could never afford unless you were a receiver good enough to be recruited by Ryan, by Brian Hardline. So there we go. That's your Ohio State football note. On the uh, other side of campus, not a, no, actually not of campus. What would that be? The other side of well, maybe a five iron from not even a five iron, maybe a gap wedge from the Woody Hayes Athletic Center, depending on who's hitting the gap wedge. The Buckeye baseball team has a new coach. His name is uh, was it Bill Mosiello. I know the last name is Moziello. I think it's Bill Moziello from TCU. Bill Moziello has been around baseball a long time. He's been at big-time programs, Cal State Fullerton, USC. Uh, TCU's a big-time program, College World Series programs. He's been in the minor leagues, I think, nine years. Coach Mike Trout, oddly to me, maybe not to anyone else, uh, Bill Moziello is uh, getting the first head coaching job of his career. And Ohio State doesn't hire a baseball coach very often. They had Marty Carrow. Then they had Dick Finn. Then they had Bob Todd. Then they had Greg Beals. Now they have Bill Moziello. So we'll see. Can he get the Buckeyes the World Series? They've not been there since the mid-1960s. If he does, he won't be here long. As Michigan's head coach, just got hired at Clemson at $1.2 million a year. And one of Ohio State's assistant ads, who is in charge of baseball, a guy I never heard of uh, and have never met, said that they will not chase salaries like the SEC. So I guess, Bill, you get Buckeyes to you get the Buckeyes to the College World Series. Uh, we wish you well in the SEC or in the ACC. Or in the Big 12, or wherever you land, because obviously Ohio State pretty much saying they're not going to pay to keep you, although they're probably paying you somewhere around a half a million dollars to coach baseball, which is not a bad gig for somebody who's been a career assistant coach. I will say, in response to that statement that Ohio State will not chase salaries with SEC teams, I am old enough to remember when Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State, in case you forgot, said that Ohio State would not get into an arms race on assistant football coaches and would not pay assistant football coaches $1 million a year. And now I think they pay, what, five, six, seven assistant coaches that? Larry Johnson certainly gets that. Jim Knowles, he doesn't get $1 million a year. He gets $2 million a year. And so they are paying quite a bit of dough for their assistant football coaches, and maybe, maybe. If Buckeye Baseball takes off and they pack the stadium and it becomes uh, a less money losing enterprise and perhaps even a barely break even enterprise, maybe they will deem Bill Moziello worthy of the kind of money they now say they are not prepared to pay. And speaking of money, that's our segue into the Deshaun Watson story. But first, but first, it will not take nearly as much money as it cost Deshaun Watson to pay off 20 of his 24 Uh, massage therapists, for you to get the best coffee you've ever tasted and to further ministry efforts around the world. Hemisphere Coffee Roasters is what I'm talking about. HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. You get 15% off when you use the promo code WETACKLELIFE in all caps. Hemisphere gets its coffee from Nicaragua, Thailand, Ethiopia, and other countries around the world where Paul, the man behind Hemisphere, has relationships with other missionaries. I say other missionaries because Paul, even though he has a coffee company in beautiful Mechanicsburg, Ohio, and even though his facility is one where you could go and have Paul or Grace or Andy or any of the other fine folks at Hemisphere make you an amazing latte or whatever kind of coffee you want, Paul is a missionary because he takes his love for coffee and marries it to his love for missions, buys his coffee direct from growers, and those growers then take the money that Paul pays for their coffee to not only sustain their coffee operations, but to further ministry efforts in their country. So you're doing a good thing, and you're getting great coffee when you get it from HemisphereCoffeeRoasters.com. 15% off when you use the promo code life in all caps. And remember, light, medium, dark roast, K-cups, however you want it, they'll ship it right to you and free shipping on orders of $30 or more. Okay, Deshaun Watson. Brown's quarterback has, well, still not fully erased all the doubts about whether or not he will be able to play NFL football at the start of the season. But I think it is unquestionably true that Deshaun Watson's situation is considerably less complicated now that he has paid a settlement to 20 of the 24 women who accuse him of wrongdoing in their relationship with him as a massage therapist. Uh, I do, do not need to, nor do I want to, go into the particulars of what Deshaun Watson is accused of doing. With these massage therapists, I have read it so that I am informed. If you want to read it, you can find it online and you can be informed. But let's just say that it's not a part of a normal massage. What he's alleged to have done, he denies doing it. So it is a he said, she said, and he is paying to settle the cases with 20 of the 24 women. Deshaun Watson was found not guilty enough by a grand jury, which refused to indict him. So there was not enough evidence to indict him and charge him. That is a fact of this case. I'm making no comment about whether he is guilty, not guilty, or where on that continuum he might be. But what we really don't know yet is what's the NFL going to do? The NFL says that the settlements of the 20 people, who Deshaun Watson has paid off, will have no impact on his disciplinary status. No impact. I would think it would have some impact. They say it has no impact, so I will take them at their word. Uh, Are there non-disclosure agreements? Can these women now talk about what happened or not talk about what happened? They've already talked about what happened. There are still four outstanding complaints. I mean, they're still lingering complaints. They're not I don't mean that outstanding in terms of they're excellent. I just mean they're they're out there. They exist. And there's been some kind of a deal where there will not be a civil trial because, again, he's not criminally liable. He was not indicted. There will not be a civil trial until the 2022 season concludes. You say, well, how can they suspend a guy before, he to, before he's found in a court? It's the NFL, man. NFL can do whatever they want. say, so, didn't they get rid of that Roger Goodell judge, jury, and executioner thing? Eh, kind of. They kind of did. They now have a retired judge who hears disputes like this and resolves, like, if Watson, let's say Watson gets suspended for six games, and he doesn't agree with the suspension, and he says, no, I'm not going to accept that. I'm going to appeal that. Then... The NFL and Deshaun Watson go before this retired judge. And the retired judge then attempts to work out a resolution. What happens if they don't work out a resolution? (laughs) Guess. Can you guess? Can you guess what happens if they cannot work out a resolution? Yes. It ends up on the desk of Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. So when you say "Eh, Roger Goodell's not in charge of the same. Well, he's not immediately in charge of it anymore but is he lurking out there yes yes he is always 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 lurking out there and you know what else is always lurking out there hr issues for your business you can say i only have three people working for me doesn't matter people are prone to disagree and you as a business owner have a lot of responsibility You're not only paying the people who work for you, but you have to steward the information they give you, health information and this kind of information and that kind of information. And look, I'm hoping you have really loyal people who would never want to sue you. I'm certainly sure that if you're a fine, upstanding citizen and you're listening to this podcast, you want to do right by your employees, but you also want to make sure you're not doing anything unintentionally that could put yourself, your business, your livelihood at risk. So you need HR expertise. Can't afford HR expertise, Bruce. Costs too much. No, it doesn't. Less than $100 a month, you can have access to your own personal HR person for 12 hours of consultation a year, an hour a month. What will it cost me? Less than $100 a month, $25 a week, $3 a day. You say, I can't afford that. Well, <laughs> my Recommendation to you is you can and you must and you should afford that. Where do you get it? ClarityHR.com. ClarityHR.com. Great people. Ohio people. You're not calling California for HR advice. Good thing. You're not calling New York. You're calling Ohio people with Ohio values helping Ohio businesses for less than, we're about three bucks a day. It's like $325 a day. 25 bucks a week? Mm. Come on now. ClarityHR.com. ClarityHR.com. Okay. It's getting increasingly more difficult for politics and sports to be completely separated. We are seeing, and we have seen in the NCAA this year, the entrance of Transgender men, that's no, excuse me, I screwed it up. Transgender women, which means a biological man who thinks, who feels, who says they are a woman, playing women's sports. We haven't seen a lot of it, but we saw it at the NCAA swimming championships where Leah Thomas, formerly Will Thomas, formerly a male University of Pennsylvania swimmer, swam as a woman in a woman's race. Even though Will Thomas still has male biology, went through puberty, bigger, stronger, faster. He's got all the male muscles, wider shoulders, longer legs, bigger muscles. You know the drill. You've heard the story. Well, now, to me, a strange advocate for transgender women, biological men, playing women's sports has come forward. And that transgender advocate is none other than U.S. Women's National Team soccer star, Megan Rapino. Megan Rapino is uh, really not that concerned about what the entrance of biological men and boys might do to Title IX, women's sports, or, oddly enough, the women's soccer national team. Because I can guarantee you, if there were men, biologically, who said they were women, and they were semi-decent male soccer players, and they wanted to play on the U.S. women's national team, they would be likely good enough, fast enough, big enough, strong enough to take the position of, yes, Megan Rapinoe. well, Megan Rapinoe's really good. That's fine. She is really good. She's not as good as a man who would be, let's say, Division II. Division II male would be better than Megan Rapinoe. You doubt me on this. Look it up couple of years ago the mighty US women's national team scrimmaged against FC Dallas's under 15 travel team and lost 5 to 2 5 to 2 how often does the US women's national team lose 5 to 2 not very often they played 15 year old boys and they got beat 5 to 2 so there you go Megan Rapinoe said uh People need to understand that sports is not the most important thing in life. I'm sorry, your kid's high school volleyball team just isn't that important. Hmm. She also said, I think people need to understand that sports is not the most important thing in life. Life is the most important thing in life. Okay, so what is going on with this viewpoint? First of all, I think Megan Rapinoe would feel... Dramatically differently about this, if Megan Rapino were not near retirement with the U.S. Women's National Team, if Megan Rapino had already not made millions of dollars off her purple hair, LGBTQ uh, glorifying uh, position as a highly publicized member of the U.S. Women's National Team, this appears to me to be a case of, I've got mine, I don't care if you get yours which is a selfish position, and so I am not surprised that it is Megan Rapinoe's position. I spend a lot of time thinking about these kinds of things, and I played sports. I played high school sports. My daughter just completed her high school career. She had an outstanding high school career. She's going to have a college career as a soccer player. I said before, and I meant it, I would never allow her to play on a field against a biological boy. She did when she was you know, six, seven, eight years old, but not once she got to junior high, because that is when male testosterone begins to separate boys from girls in terms of size and speed and athleticism. And it would be an unfair athletic endeavor, as it has been proven unfair at every level, when biological men who contend they are women play against women. So this is not that surprising that Megan Rapino has this position. But she has chosen to prioritize uh, progressive attitudes and feels more allegiance to her LGBTQIA plus uh, labeling than to her endeavors as an athlete. Because I don't know if she knows, I would assume she knows, but, you know, idealists uh, sometimes have, as the Bible says, zeal without knowledge. <laughs> She may be of the opinion that, oh, uh, I can hold my own against men on the U.S. Women's National Team. And if she said that, uh, I'll just say she is wrong. She is flat wrong on that. And I think there are enough historical data, enough historical data, and there is enough historical proof. And I would point to Leah Thomas's case, number one, a very, very, very average Division I male swimmer who immediately became the most – the fastest swimmer among women the minute Will Thomas determined to be Leah Thomas. Okay, this is a really good time for me to get into the faith portion of the podcast because this issue intersects faith. I have said before, and I will repeat, that my position on the transgender initiative is A faith position, and I cannot reconcile any authenticity to the transgender position because of my faith. Why do I say that? Because I am a disciple of Jesus Christ, and therefore I am a disciple of a holy, authoritative, loving God. I do not know why anyone would worship a God who was not holy, authoritative, perfect, and loving. Humans are not those things, so why would you worship someone who is not those things? You would, in fact, be worshiping another human, not God. To agree with the transgender position is to say that God made a mistake in having someone born biological male genitalia, and instead actually be a woman. This is the position of the transgender people. Why would God do that? If God is perfect, he would not do that. If God is loving, he would not put you through it and not also put someone else through it, your brother, your sister, your friend, a stranger. So I cannot reconcile the logic, quote-unquote, of the transgender position— with the things that I know to be true about God and the thing that the things, the characteristics, the qualities that must be true about God for him to be God. And in my current role as a talk show host on 94.5 in Dayton and 98.9 in Columbus, I talk a lot about these issues because they are prevalent issues in our culture. And my talk show on those two stations is a news talk show, not a sports talk show. And so I'm familiar with these issues in schools. It happens in, you know, elementary schools. It happens in junior high schools. It happens in high schools. And there's a great deal of pressure in our society now to affirm this. In fact, the whole entire medical movement is embracing what they term gender affirming care. A child will go into a doctor and say, I'm a biological boy, but I was born the wrong sex. And I am, in fact, a girl. And the medical position of Nationwide Children's Hospital, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, a lot of big children's hospitals, of the American Pediatrics Association, the official position is to respond with what they term gender-affirming care. It is my position that gender-affirming care is biologically denying care is um, a complete disregard for scientific fact. In no other medical condition that I know of would a doctor accept the diagnosis of a patient. Think about that. You go into the doctor, you got a sore throat. And the doctor says you have a sore throat. And you say, "No, I don't. I have throat cancer." Does the doctor say, "Well, very well then, uh, we'll start radiation and chemo immediately"? Well, that would be uh, that would be throat cancer affirming care. You go to the doctor with a stomach ache. And The doctor says, oh, "Here's a little laxative. This will take care of your situation." No, won't. I have a tumor. You must operate on me immediately and i don't believe any doctors that i know of would keep their license if they said all right let's let's get them prepped for surgery we're going in right now gender affirming care is ludicrous ludicrous and yet that is what the official health position is because we have gotten to a point in our society where we are allowing people to be god by allowing their mental disconnect between their cognitive reality and their biological reality when not in alignment we are too afraid to tell them you're not a you're not a girl you're a boy you may have some characteristics of a girl but you are in fact a boy and this is a phase you're going through and you will grow out of it that is deemed to be hateful terrible, awful. So, I've been pondering this a lot in my morning quiet time, and I have a great burden over this because I believe that we are going to be faced in the future with a generation of young people who, through their attempt to gain acceptance from peers for their attempt to garner attention for themselves, for their um, submission to their parents who, by some weird extension of something resembling Munchausen by proxy or some other weird psychological dysfunction, convince their kids they're born the wrong sex and that they're trans? I believe we are going to be faced with a generation of kids who will have been horribly, horribly done wrong by the adults in their lives, medical professionals, parents, other people, teachers, activists, and the like. And I've been trying to view this through a spiritual prism and trying to make sense of it and praying a lot about it. And let me just say that my position on this is one of great distress, because I have daughters, and we're very blessed that none of our daughters have this this hole in their life that they appear, that they seek some kind of affirmation through contending that they're transgender. And I've thought a lot about how to relate on this topic in, in terms of wisdom, spiritual wisdom. And you guys know that I spend... Uh, sometime every day in the book of Proverbs, because I believe that Proverbs has given me a perspective on culture that is a wise perspective, not of my own wisdom, but of God-given wisdom, which is evident in the writings of Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. He prayed for wisdom. He was David's son. He was uh, told by God he could have anything he asked for. He did not ask for wealth, He did not ask for power, he did not ask for peace and tranquility with his enemies, he asked for wisdom. And God was very, very pleased that he asked for wisdom, and he told Solomon, because you have not asked for all these other things, I'll give those to you in addition to wisdom. And so Solomon writes a lot of things in the book of Proverbs and in the book of Ecclesiastes that are exceedingly wise. And yet, if you know anything about Solomon, you know that Solomon had every advantage the kingdom of his father david was handed to him and god spoke directly to solomon and told him if you do what i tell you to do i will never rip the kingdom out of your hands but solomon did not do that through he through getting bored or getting lazy The real reason Solomon fell is because Solomon fell to immorality. There is a chilling verse. I believe it's in Kings. It starts a chapter that says, But Solomon loved many foreign women. And God had told him, Do not worship other gods of other people of other ethnicities. Do not marry outside the Jewish faith because the women will corrupt you with their gods and all this. And that is exactly what happened to Solomon. He became, I don't know, bored with his prosperity, bored with his wisdom. He became bored and he kept looking for thrills. And the book of Ecclesiastes is basically the lament of someone who has everything anyone could want. And he says that it's all emptiness. It's all emptiness, a chasing after the wind, And so he chased after women, and he had many, many wives, hundreds, maybe into the thousands of wives and concubines, and he lived an immoral life. And it is my firm belief that in our country, starting, not starting with, but escalating from the legalization of abortion in 1973, the free love movement in the 1960s, the acceptance of even Christian kids living together with their future spouses, the divorce rate in the church escalating to the same as or in excess of the societal divorce rate, we have seen America become a country awash in immorality. And I do not point a finger at others. I have my own sins in the past in these areas as well. And yet the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it avails forgiveness to everyone. But forgiveness is granted via First and foremost, repentance. And repentance is not sorrow. It is not merely sorrow. It is sorrow, but it is not sorrow alone. Repentance is changed behavior. Changed behavior. We have a lot of behavior in our country that must change if we are going to do away with a lot of these damaging paths which our young people and many other people are running into headlong, I believe, only to reap destruction later on. I'm talking about promiscuity. I'm talking about sleeping around outside of marriage. I'm not talking about just LGBTQIA plus endeavors, but when there are people who are born with male or female biology and think in their head they're something else, or there are people born who think they are a cat or a tiger, to look upon that and not see the hand of demonic, satanic activity is to me failing to recognize the obvious. And in one of my favorite quotes ever, the great writer Voltaire once said, a nation disintegrates when it ceases to recognize things that are obvious. We have in our country started down a road that is now well populated with a lot of things that are... Failures to observe things that are obvious. And so, it's not beyond the realm of fixing, because it's never too late to accept the authority of God. Jesus said when he ascended into heaven, all authority on earth and in heaven has been given to me. So you can think you're a boy, even if you're a girl. You can think you're a girl, even if you're a boy. You can think sleeping around is okay, cheating on your wife is okay, cheating on your husband is okay, but you're not the authority on that. The Bible's very clear that immorality leads to personal destruction and it leads to collective destruction of cultures. Look at Rome. Look at many other cultures. I do not want that to be us. But that is the path we are on. And so that is what I leave you with during this faith portion of the podcast today. Thanks for your time. I will endeavor to do this much more regularly than I have, which won't be hard, will it? Because I have not been regular with it at all. But it's been fun engaging with you. And I'll talk to you again soon on the next edition of the We Tackle Life podcast.